0: James Labrie, how are you? I'm doing
1: great. How are you,
0: Jake Good, good, man. So you're in uh, San Jose, yeah?
1: Yeah, we have a show here tonight, and then... Uh yeah, and then we're going to head
0: to Reno. Very cool, man. You know, I have to say I'm a little nervous about this interview just because I've been such a huge fan of not only Dream Theater, but you as a vocalist going all the way back to Images and Words. I was a kid growing up, just starting in radio and, and trying to make my way as a professional musician. We actually opened up for you down in San Antonio, Texas, way, way, way back in the day on the uh, Images and Words tour, man.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, well, that's I'm, great. I'm well, excited to have you on the line, man. So what
1: was,
0: what was the band? Who, who were you? Uh, a band I was playing at the time was called Paradox. We were uh, kind of a uh, prog-rocky Christian rock band okay yeah okay we played a place called the uh, showcase theater the first time you guys played in uh, in san antonio my guitar instructor was a guy that you might be familiar with named ron Jarzombek. his brother bobby Jarzombek, uh i think was uh on a roll call for when you guys had drummer auditions ways back or so but
1: uh oh okay yeah yeah well we, I've, I've met so many people jay so yeah, you'll I have you. to forgive me on that one.
0: No worries, yeah. man. So it's yeah. speaking of drumming, you started as a drummer when you were a kid. What other instruments do you play, James?
1: That, that's pretty much it. I mean, I just started. <laughs> I, I grabbed a, uh, a guitar uh, two years ago, so I'm slowly learning the uh, the dexterity that's involved in uh, guitar playing. And I got to tell you, man, that's intimidating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but drums I played from uh, from the age of five until I was seventeen.
0: Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, and drums and, um, were my first you know, instrument. I, instruments.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I, I think, you, you know, thank God that I did that because uh, the rhythmic sense and or sensibility, you know, and especially being able to, you know, just infuse myself, especially in a band like Dream Theater, naturally, it came from those, you know, that fundamental background. So, um, you know, I always thank my lucky stars that I did that because, uh, yeah, it just seems all natural and... And I'm not one of these guys, I don't want to count on all the crazy time signatures when I'm singing in between. It just, it yeah. needs to be natural, it needs to feel feel no, real.
0: No yeah. doubt. Yeah. Tell, tell me about working with uh, with Sebastian Bach early on in the band uh, Winter Rose. Were you guys in the same band together?
1: No, no, no. We, no. So what happened was um, uh, Sebastian was working with Rich Chickie. Um, and he was the guitar player. It wasn't called Wonder Rose then; it was just called well, I don't know whatever the hell they called it. But <laughs> right. um, and he was singing some uh, some songs that they they had put together. And then Sebastian was obviously founded by uh, you know Skid Row. Yeah. And so he moved down to to New York, and the rest is history. Um, so what happened was I was uh, just doing this odd little side project. And the bass player went to buy a, a, a TV off of Rich, and then Rich, he said, i got to play you something. We just recorded this as a singer, blah, 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 blah. And Rich is like, who's this guy? And then all of a sudden, Rich and I started working together. And then we formed uh, Winter Rose. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were being looked at by, you know, Atlantic and EMI and stuff like that in 1989. And then... Um, uh, or no, it was 1990, 90, okay. And then all of a sudden, uh, we were out touring with Le'Aaron, uh, and then she threw my tape down in New York in this band, Dream Theater. But, you know, Sebastian and I, we know each other very well. I've, I've gotten together with him. You know, I've gone to his house. I've partied. I didn't feel very, very good the next day. <laughs> of course, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, because he's a madman. And... um you know, but no, we, you know, we have that mutual respect to Canadians too that have, that have done well. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, but, you know, we've just had that kind of connection. Obviously when you're a fellow singer, there's that whole community like any other of the uh, respective instruments, right?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Now
0: yeah. it had to be tough goings when you submit your audition for Dream Theater. You knew you were in the hunt with a lot of other great vocalists. I think you know I, I mm-hmm. would imagine John Arch, a, a fellow Canadian, was was maybe one of them from Fate's Warning. Um, tell yeah, me about. Yeah, like, I, I know
1: that he uh, he had already sung with them, like he'd already gone down and, and stuff like that. But, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just
0: going to say, tell me about that experience. And, and when you finally got the call and the guys in Dream Theater said, hey, I think you're our man, did, when did you first see yourself as a front man?
1: Uh, well, I saw myself as a front man when I was 12. Okay, okay. all right. <laughs> if, if you really want to know. And, and, you know, I always knew that the drums was secondary because I started singing at around the same age at 5. Yeah. And actually the first couple bands that I formed I was the lead vocalist and drummer. I was doing the whole Don Henley Phil Collins thing. Yeah. You know. And um but but to be honest with you Jay, I was I was um when I went down to do the audition, I was completely oblivious to any of the other singers <laughs> that they had had. Which was probably a good thing. Right? Yeah. I, I know that they, they told me, they go, you know what, we've been auditioning singers for like two years, the last two and a half years. We've even worked with some for six mm-hmm. months, eight months, we've recorded a ton of demos. And then, like I said, um, my CD happened to cross their laps, and they listened to it in uh, my poor noise band one night and said, and actually they got a, a live recording of me at uh, Rock and Roll Heaven in Toronto which used to be an awesome bar to to play and it was um it was sponsored by Q107 which was a a big radio station up in Toronto and we recorded live mm-hmm. and so I, they actually got a live recording of me and they were like no there's no way man this guy's singing." <laughs> and I was like no oh, no there is. So when they brought me down uh they um we basically went to the rehearsal hall we jammed for about I don't know I'm going to say an hour or so and we went through a lot of the songs from the first album, and um, and we just uh, even jammed on uh, "Love and Touch and Squeezing" by Journey and nice. and stuff like that. And um, they just kind of looked at me at the end, and they went. And I didn't know they're lingo, you know. Yeah. And at the time, John Bertucci looks over me, goes, "Dude, you're sick." And I said, <laughs> "Actually, no. You know what? I feel great." And he goes, "No, no, no, no. I mean that in a great way." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, now I get it. Okay." And um, and then the next. Day, the very next day, we went to Chao he was in this condo place with a, with a roommate, and we recorded um, three songs, or four songs, actually, um, in his bedroom on a, like an eight-track recorder. Mm-hmm. And um, I was there for like five days doing stuff, and then I flew back home. And it was just like, they, were, they asked me before I left, they just said, wow. Dude, you got to be in the band. You gotta, are you into it? And I said, Absolutely, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm staying in Canada. I don't want to move down here. I love it town here, but... Um, and I'm in Toronto, so it was like, yeah. back in the day, that was like a 50-minute flight. Yeah. So it was no big deal. Yeah, right? that's cool. Yeah. But that's basically how, how it came together, and then, you know, like, obviously over the time, they told me all the other singers that, you know, that they had had there, and it was, it was pretty funny. Now just focusing,
0: by the way, it's James LeBrie from Dream Theater. Just focusing on you as a vocalist, you've released five solo mm-hmm. albums. What can you do, mm-hmm. James, on your solo albums that you don't feel would necessarily fit in Dream Theater or that you can't do in Dream Theater?
1: Right. Oh. Well, I mean, you know, on, on the, uh, I guess, the, the peripheral edge, there are progressive moments. Throughout the, um, you know, some, some of the soul material. But for the most part, like Matt Guillory and I, you know, we've been a team. We've been doing this since 1998, if you can believe it. Wow. And um, Matt is just a phenomenally talented, you know, keyboard, piano player, writer, and stuff like that. So when we've been putting the songs together, um, our focus is really first and foremost. On uh, the songs having um, just a bit more of like a, a hard rock, a very palatable kind of, um, you know, not it, it's something that you can sink your teeth into as far as hooks, and the, a lot of the hooks are coming from the guitar and especially the melody. So right. if you, I'm, I'm assuming you've listened to them. Oh yeah, Dave, and and so you see that the focus that we put on on the on the vocals mm-hmm. um, as far as the melodies and the hooks and the chorus and obviously the lyrics. So Matt and I split the lyrics. He does half, I do half on every album. Mm-hmm. So we, um, but I would think that's, and we just wanted to kind of create our own sound by incorporating, you know, uh, some very heavy and aggressive moments. And there's even minimal, um, use sparingly, but I think it, it still has a purpose, the uh, grunt vocals. Right. And Peter Will Peter Wilduer, the drummer, does that. And he does a phenomenal job. But it's used more as a tool, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily, you know, oh, and listen to this voice. And uh, that's what I think maintains that equilibrium throughout. But uh, so by doing these things that I've mentioned, it, it kind of creates that separation between Dream Theater and this, because it wouldn't make any sense sure. for me to do it if it was just going to... And, you know, the, now, I must add, though, that each and every player you know peter Wildeur, marcus foley ray riendo um and then matt are phenomenal musicians so they can basically play anything mm-hmm. and you know they they would they would not be uh tried to tr- to do any uh, dream theater material as well so that gives us a you know an open canvas to go wherever we want if we want to get crazy you know, musically. Yeah. And um, I think that it's just we've maintained that um, that balance that we just want to be more straightforward. More straightforward but, you know, put some interesting, uh, you know, moments into it that, that are a little more in the musicianship okay. realm so to speak. Yeah
0: makes total sense yeah mm-hmm. um so almost 30 years since images and words was released did the success of pull me under during the time when mtv you know actually played rock videos did that ever freak you out when you saw yourself on tv because there was a while that they were they were playing that video a lot man
1: oh yeah like it was almost like it was on every 10 minutes right <laughs> you know yeah well, the, the song's done played again yeah. yeah, no, I mean, um, it, was, it was pretty surreal, especially mm. at that point, because, you know, uh, we came out with an album that was so left-wing, if you think about it. Sure. You know, it's like, wait a minute, what are these guys doing? They're, they're releasing a progressive, heavy metal-type album? Yeah, and at a time, the time it when it Ugly Kid John, I think, was know?
0: ruling the chart. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, everyone was kind of like, well, "What are you going to do with this? What's going to happen?" Uh, and fortunately for us, because I have to be honest, Jay, if 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 Pull Me Under hadn't exploded like it did, and then it, you know, it made the album extremely successful, I don't know if you and I would be talking today. Right. I seriously don't, because the reality is, is that before Pull Me Under hit, um, there was something like I think they released. 10,000 albums Mm -hmm. for the States and then trickles in Canada and the international and all that stuff. So what do you do with that? Like if, if if there was nothing to really grasp onto, where do you go with that? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think fortunately for us, pull me under became something that was not only North America where it was, it was kicking, but all of a sudden it, it, it made its way internationally. And Europe was on it immediately, and then all of Asia, and then it just mushroomed from there. Yeah, and um, and then it it allowed us to to be able to go in with the follow up, um, and you know do do awake and feel confident, and then so on and so forth. All the sequential albums. Beyond
0: that, I, I I burned out on VHS tape the uh, images and words live in Japan. That was just so much fun oh, to yeah. watch you guys out on the road having fun during that time. Let, let me oh, yeah. uh, let me ask you: How did the loss of original keyboardist Kevin Moore affect the overall sound and kind of songwriting in Dream Theater? Was Was the album Awake hard to put together?
1: You know, he was involved, but we could tell, and and you know, we were still kind of guessing like, well, what's going on with Kev
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we were when we were writing that album and because he was there but then again you know he wasn't and it was it was we just knew something was up there was there was a change yeah and um but you know he was he was very integral mm-hmm. to dream theater mm-hmm. you know everything leading up to awaken and, and awake I, I can't i'm not going to take anything away from him because he's incredibly talented mm-hmm. very very intelligent and his lyrics were amazing and, um, you know, it's just his whole musical sense was just beautiful. Yeah. And so when he did tell us, and, and, you know, here's the thing, James, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the day, the night before I was to go in and start recording my vocals for Awake is when he had a meeting with the band.
2: Oh. And
1: he said, Guys, I'm going to record the album and then I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. And I was just looking at him going, Dude, you think you could have waited maybe couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm going to take this into the studio tomorrow? Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. And we were upset. We were really upset, you know, and we, we didn't want him, you know, uh, to leave, obviously, you know, but yeah. you, at that point, he had been thinking long and hard on it. He wanted to just do his own thing. Yeah, he wanted cool. to be in charge. And, um, you know, I, I, I touched base with him maybe a couple of years ago just, you know, via texting and stuff like that. And, you know, we're, you know, I, Still love the man, and we're we're friends and stuff. Um, But you know where we are today, I think is a beautiful thing. Uh, You know, I don't I don't think you can go much higher than someone like uh, Jordan Brutus.
0: Yeah, no doubt. uh, I mean, Jordan's
1: brought you know, and I'm not I'm I'm not going to omit uh, Derek Shrinan either. He's you know he's a very talented individual, and Mm -hmm. and for the time that he was with us, I think it made sense. Um, And but uh, you know, Jordan was just somebody that you know we had been aware of for years and um him and rod morganstein came and opened up for us on a tour and we we watched these guys perform every night opening up and we're like um hello (laughs) who the hell is this guy and he did liquid tension yeah right with the guy i guess there's a there's a reason for everything right
2: yeah of Um, course why
1: things why things happen and and everything. But, I mean, you know, and Jordan, his timing couldn't have been more perfect coming in for scenes from memory, which now we're out in celebration of uh, the 20th anniversary.
0: Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know,
0: on that same point, um, how is Mike Mangini doing? I mean, it's, I, uh, he's, he's been with you guys for a while now, but what has he yeah, brought to the songwriting and kind of years. musical dynamic of Dream Theater?
1: Yeah. Believe it or not, it's almost 10 years that Mike's been with us. Wow. If you can believe it. Yeah. I know, right? It's, it's incredible. He is, you know, what can I say? First of all, incredible drummer, right? Mm-hmm. That goes without say. Um, and I think over the years he's gotten um, you know he's he's at a point, especially with the last album, you know, Distance Over Time, he was fully integrated, fully involved with everything. You know, the the whole process, the writing. Mm-hmm. And um he's just uh he's an incredibly talented musician. I mean he's even like he's played stuff like us that he's written and that he wants to eventually release, and, and uh, it's great stuff. I mean, it's really cool stuff, you know, that he's done. So, his his whole dynamic with the band, uh, I would have to say honestly, it's probably been in the last few years okay. that that we have seen the the full, you know, Mangini on board. I think everything up to that. Point was him just like gracefully coming in to the fold i mean still playing you know phenomenal each and every night and on the albums but i think it was it's been in the last you know since maybe uh yeah maybe like uh, the self-titled or, or astonishing that he okay. kind of felt that that whole click
0: yeah where he's you know, gotten where comfortable like, oh in the, yeah you know yeah.
1: right right and and um you know, and definitely, I mean, I think he he shined, he shined like like a diamond on, on the last album, and um, and I think that's because he was just like I said, fully involved. Right. But he's he's a great guy. He's he's crazy, like most drummers. You know, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, you no, know, he's a really funny guy. Actually, he just got a, a crazy sense of humor. But that's good too. We need the balance out here, right? You need to somehow. I was gonna you say know? you
0: guys are such you know uh, impeccable players. It, it almost seems like uh, like nobody skips a beat, nobody misses a note live. Who is the practical joker in the band if you had to single one out?
1: Uh, well, it, it, it could be Mike. I mean, I'm I'm more or less just like throwing humor around all the time, right? <laughs> right. I'm just you know I like to, do, but I as far as a practical joker, I I think yeah, Mike would would be more inclined to to do the the whole more slapstick thing okay. you know all right. and uh but yeah but you know what you know Jay I, I mean we're all human and uh you know the we it's we're all out here and we uh we keep care of ourselves and i think that's the thing is that you know we're eating healthy we work out we you know and uh and i gotta really be disciplined when i'm out here because i'm doing three-hour shows every night
0: yeah no so, doubt, man
1: you know i mean we just finished six shows in seven days and had yesterday off, so we're back at it again today but but you know what we signed up for it right absolutely so it's, it's it's uh it's what we have to it's what we do and we love to do and um I think we're extremely fortunate we never take any of this for granted but uh yeah you know it's, it's you can see everybody backstage you know revving up for the show and doing their you know their warming up and all stuff like that but uh yeah Definitely. and and I think the so where we are at this point is like we're in a really healthy place and and we're just uh we're really uh taking it for all it's worth. That's
0: great. It's James yeah. LeBrie from Dream Theater, the Distance Over Time Tour. Friday night over at the Grand Sierra Resort. Let me ask you, I've, I've noticed on setlist.fm here that uh, Pull Me Under does not look like it's been played in the last many shows. What song do you hate to play live the most? Would that be one of them because you have to play it at every show forever? Like, oh my God, if Led Zeppelin has to play rock and roll again, give me a break. Yeah, right. Oh my God.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, that, that kind of that touches on it. A little bit. Yeah. You know, we were, um, we, we just kept thinking, you know, oh, are we going to keep incorporating this into every leg, every tour, you know? Like, I think even the fans would appreciate it <laughs> if we didn't play it.
2: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, yeah
1: I, I would say that that's, that's probably definitely the one that, you know, we know we're kind of committed to it because it was our, our big hit. Right. But, um, and I can only imagine what, some of these bands, like uh, the Eagles and, you know, Aerosmith right. and, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what know? song, like what like, song what do you was, love 100. playing each night? On this tour? Yeah. Um, I, well, I love doing the whole scenes because that's just, it's so dynamic and vocally. Mm-hmm. you know, it's just a, a, a beautiful piece to sing. Um, but I'd say um, out of the first set, I love doing, uh, Fall Into the Light, which is from, uh, the new album, you okay. know? And, uh, I love doing the, uh, Barstool Warriors, an amazing yep. song. So, um, and then, uh, I love doing, uh, In the Presence of Enemies that we kind of pulled back, uh, part one. And we're, we're doing that. And, um, yeah, you know what? I'm just loving singing everything, Jave. That's
0: great,
1: <laughs> man. Know, That's you know, great. yeah, it's just, you know, like Pale Blue Dot is such a, a great song. And we finished the first set with that, and it's, uh. A mammoth tune, you know, to, well, to hit everybody, and, and then we do the intermission, and then uh, yeah. So uh, it, it's really it's kind of hard to bring it down to one song. I, I, okay, so right now, if, if I had to, I'd say probably "Fall Into the Light." Okay, I love singing.
0: Cool, yeah. cool. We're excited yeah. about we're excited about the show, James. Um, can you let folks know what time you go on because no one wants to miss a note.
1: Okay, so I believe it's eight o'clock. Okay. <laughs> okay. I yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. It's 8 o'clock. That's basically been the, the general time throughout this whole tour. Okay. So 8 p.m., and then it's, uh, yeah, it's almost three hours.
0: All right. Sounds like a winner. James, thanks again. I look forward to uh, to seeing you on Friday, okay?
1: Okay. Thanks, Jay. All Appreciate right. Be it. safe, man. Take it okay, easy. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye.